Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Half-Baked Podcast for another episode. I'm not quite sure which direction this one will take, because I have multiple similar topics that I'm wanting to address here, and um, I never know where my mind will take me, so it'll be a surprise for both of us, or all of us. Originally, I wanted to focus on um, youth, and by youth, I specifically mean being a teenager, And just how I've noticed a lot of people tend to disown their experiences as a teenager and they write it off as just teenage angst instead of, you know, a fundamental aspect of who they are and their becoming and so on. And really with this idea of by doing so that you are disowning like intrapersonal heritage, right? Not your heritage of your ancestors, not your country of origin, not your genes, but literally you as a human being, you yourself, your relationship and your past and your, I don't know, like microculture or something. But recently, I've been in some situations where my attention has been drawn more to small children. And it brings me back to how in a previous podcast I mentioned how we don't seem to be taught as children to understand our own emotions, from which a starting point to go out into the world, right? To understanding our own emotions and ourselves, to be able to use that knowledge when we interact with the world and interact with other people. So I think that's the direction we're going to head in today. And I will leave the quote-unquote teenage angst and so on for another podcast entirely. So what I've called this episode in my notes, I jotted down some notes to make sure that I wouldn't forget kind of some of the instances that I was using as an example. I titled it Emotional Vocabulary. And, you know, I feel like I could entitle this podcast something regarding sensitivity again because it comes down to it that's I mean to be frank it's a narrative that comes up a lot in my life but it's also one that I love and I actually think is so wonderful and seeing sensitivity as emotional vocabulary the desire or the this feeling of not being able to avoid facing your emotions expressing your emotions communicating wanting to bring that stuff up and talk about it and that by doing so you can diversify your language and your understanding and how this is such a great, great, beautiful thing. And it's so natural in kids. It comes so naturally when you're little because no one has told you not to do it yet. And mind you, of course, the way that kids express themselves might not be the safest. It might not, you know, think, think through or think ahead. So of course there's some harm to it, right? And that's why it's obviously adults, you know, responsibility to teach kids through that. But I honestly... You know, I just don't feel that grown-ups tend to walk kids through it. They uh, shut the kid down or redirect them. And that is kind of in direct opposition to my, my style of parenting anyway. So yeah, understanding ourselves and our emotional landscape as a starting point from which to go out into the world. I want to dive deeper into that with some specific examples that came from the same night. But I also want to draw attention to that I, although yes, it is related to the topic of sensitivity, I don't want it, going back to that idea of sensitive versus insensitive, I don't want it to be creating a dichotomy and I don't want it to be simply focusing on, you know, supposed sensitive people. I want it to really just be about the human condition and people in general. My first example is this young girl who's preteen and she's not having a very good day. And she's, she's being emotional, right? She's shutting down and she's um, 
you can tell she doesn't feel comfortable in her body or in this space in this moment so she like has her blanket wrapped around her and she's not meeting people's eye and she's sitting very close to her mom and so on and she wants to be excused she wants to go to a different room and um be alone which is you know it is what it is right everyone can have those moments everyone deserves space so they concede and say okay like you can you can go into this room and you can be alone honey and so on and then as she's gone her mom says dismissively you know yeah when she's like this you just have to leave her alone you just you can't reason with her as if it's like some huge burden on her to simply allow her child to be given space so the question that popped up for me was to to you the adult where is your reason where's your reason why is leaving someone alone which is an inaction on your part you literally do not have to do anything and some would see that as a gift honestly like you don't have to put any effort in you don't have to explain anything you literally just recognize where she's at and like okay cool why is the idea of having to leave someone alone so distasteful why does it seem like such a chore the fact that she is having an emotional upset in she actually is excusing herself so that she doesn't upset people around her is actually incredibly thoughtful. And I want to pose the question as to like in situations like that, whether it be this one or anything that you can think of, why is it that you wouldn't be willing to just give her credit or respect for that? Instead, instead she was minimized and written off and talked, talked about behind her back. I think even when her daughter was in the room, she said something about like, did you take your meds today? I don't know. I don't think you took your meds today in front of a kitchen full of people. And then it's also kind of like putting the responsibility on this preteen girl that, I mean, you as the mother, you are at least partially responsible for, if not more responsible than her. And then it's just this way of excusing her behavior or her as a person and, and exposing personal aspects of her life. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, she doesn't deserve privacy for those details. Instead, you're announcing it publicly in front of a room to make yourself feel better. Because it's not you. It's not your fault. This is why. She's a troubled kid, and she needs medication to be okay. And the fact that she's showing emotion, which she was not upsetting anyone. She was not being rude or anything. I just find that so disrespectful, and I don't understand why adults are so immature in their own emotions that they project that onto kids. Like, it drives me fucking crazy. I recently saw something online that said something about, you know, people getting upset about kids showing emotions or expecting more from the kids when it's like, you can't even handle yourselves. And this this sort of example to me just proves it. So in a situation that you could have easily have been like, A, hey, if you're not open to social settings right now, if today was a bad day, say she didn't take her meds and she's kind of on a roller coaster today. You could also allow her to stay home in this instance, okay? You didn't, so be it. She's she's at the dinner now, and she's now being excused to go to a different room to, to regulate. Awesome. That's a fucking opportunity. That is amazing. So instead of just being absolutely or asking someone else, hey, do you mind if she goes and sits in another room for a while? Because everyone else was like, yeah, absolutely. You, you kind of like disallow her humanity because you're embarrassed of her. Like... Stripping of her, her of her humanity in this way of like making her one-dimensional and exposing her inner workings or her inner struggles or whatever, insecurities perhaps, live in front of other people 
as if, as if her intimate self is just okay for public consumption. She gets no say. Because you're the adult, therefore you know more and you know better and you can say these things and be confident in it, but her expression isn't valid. You're being disrespectful and that's valid because you're an adult. But her expression, which is literally just, hey, I'm going through something right now. I'm not putting anyone out. I just need space away to self-regulate. She's being a problem. And I just want to take a snapshot here and think of this situation and how when it happens repeatedly over someone's youth, how does that impact their sense of self as they grow into adulthood? And how you treat others, how it's informing them of what is acceptable and how you treat others. And the validity, oh, that's not even the word I'm looking for. Not just the validity of your feelings, but the ubiquitousness of feelings. That everyone feels like this, everyone has this, and you are not weird, you are not troubled. It's not because, not just because you didn't have your meds today, it's because you're fucking human. And that's not just acceptable, that's more than acceptable. It should be a point of connection, not disconnection, is my point. And this... I saw this kid, and I've seen her many, many times, just not say anything to this sort of interaction because she's taught that this is acceptable, that this is okay, that this is... Or she just doesn't think she has a place to say, hey, mom, that makes me uncomfortable, right? Like, my my answer is that, to her parents, is that you feel ashamed of her behavior and you don't want to take responsibility for it. You don't want it to be a reflection of your own mothering. You refuse to claim it. And in a sense, you emotionally disown her while emotionally exposing her. So not only are you exposing your child emotionally, where she's shutting down, she doesn't want to be exposed, and she's moving herself out of a room, you then emotionally expose her by making it everybody's business. And then on top of her making her feel stripped and vulnerable, you disown her and her needs in this vulnerable moment. And you have to know that in this situation, if she expressed herself and her feelings of being disrespected in the situation that the adults would then double down on that shame and use her speaking up and being uncomfortable or disrespected and being angry about that they would just use it as proof of her difficulty and then when she felt flustered because she had no path she was stuck she had no path to go forward to defend herself or anything and she excuses herself and maybe she stomps now because she's feeling even more frustrated and more dysregulated than she even was to begin with you're going to throw your hands up in the air and sigh and say, see, this is exactly what I mean. You just, you know, you can't do anything. You can't deal with her when she's like this. I just so deeply resent this, I, this dynamic there of being like leaving her alone. Simply, again, the inaction of leaving someone alone was more of a burden on the people witnessing it rather than it being her own complex reality as a human being that deserved to be given right to exist and to process and has nothing to do with other people. And if you are so ashamed of your daughter for having feelings like that, then allow her to stay home when she is not feeling her best, rather than forcing her to come out and then making her feel like an idiot. So to step back from my disapproval of her parents and how they behave, I want to pose the question of her emotions, because this was just one situation, and this is not the only situation, right? Like, this happens all the time, how parents treat kids. And not just parents, just adults in general and how they treat children. So about her expression of, you know, discontent, why is that pathologized? That's what I want to understand. I feel that so often any emotional expression is pathologized. It's not okay. They're not in control. It's unhealthy. There's 
illnesses or shortcomings or faults or you know a lack of competence whenever anyone expresses anything emotional and this undermines anyone's ability to establish or develop like i said the emotional vocabulary you completely cut it down it's like censorship where instead of you know educating people and giving them options and you know resources for them to make up their own mind giving them some sense of control over their own lives you censor and you ban things so they're just lost and drowning in their own pool of emotions and there's no one there not just telling them you know yeah absolutely I've been there this is how emotions feel it's hard and so on not only do they not have a guide they have no one even there telling them like hey you know you you actually are able to identify these emotions you can see where they're coming from there is a connection and you can actually play with these you can actually interact with these emotions and how you deal with them you get to play a more conscious part in your emotional evolution and how you get past this how you get to the next emotion how quickly or how smoothly you you can move through this processing but you can't develop emotional vocabulary if even the vague and like raw form of an emotion is immediately shut down or shamed no one wants to be associated with it so you are left alone for having emotions which i feel like is at the heart of the human condition is having emotions why is that pushed to the outskirts of acceptability and why is just going limp seen as proper and that just mimicking behaviors around you or mimicking their expectations of you right you you loosely understand their expectations and even if you don't understand the intention or anything behind it you understand kind of what it looks like so you're going to imitate it like regardless of whether the expectations are thought out or not because chances are they're probably not because adults themselves barely understand their own emotional landscape and they have horrible emotional vocabulary because if you truly had a better vocabulary than that it wouldn't be your gut reaction to shut them out or shame them or <laughs> just like detach yourself from them remove like <laughs> i always just go back to like the family channel as a kid and they're like anti-bullying and stand up to bullying like commercials and ads and stuff and they talked a lot of member about being a bystander right when you are being picked on or something and your friend stands by right they don't stand up for anything they just stand there and let it happen or they scoff at you to excuse themselves so they don't get picked on it is that same dynamic only it's with an adult and in this instance it was her own fucking mother like and when you can't get past your emotional reactivity you can never get to the point where you express encouragement or love you know like giving someone credit where credit is due people are so ready to minimize disallow prove someone wrong disagree say no and you know like a numerous numerous other negative expressions or reactions and they come out in that gut response with no thought that's the thing so often people have shut down they're not even thinking when they react like that they're not even thinking <laughs> it's just like that that person in that place is then teaching that child about their own feelings and you know let's run with this you are teaching them your emotional vocabulary by how you your own emotional vocabulary but that's not you showing them or teaching them how to diversify that vocabulary i don't know it's like in inverted or something it's the opposite you're teaching them the opposite of that i don't know i just feel like in that situation it would have so easily have been it would just so easy to have just said oh we're all human we get that take your time or thank you for respecting those around you by excusing yourself emotions can be hard right and we're all gathered together here 
to be lighthearted and enjoy each other's company. We respect that you are offering respect to the people around you and you're allowing other people to be able to enjoy their space and you're not there to snap at people or get upset or take your feelings out on anyone. You're going to go excuse yourself. I will come check on you shortly or if you need anything from me, let me know. Or walking her to the room or giving her a hug and saying, are you okay? Do you need anything? All right, cool. I'll be out in the kitchen if you need me. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see why that's so hard and why, why that doesn't seem like an option to people. You act as though her simply existing, and by that I mean emotions, because emotions are inherent. E- you know, emotions and existing are one and the same, right? If you exist, you have emotions. If you're processing emotions, you are existing. So just simply existing is too much or inconvenient for the people around her. You then expose that vulnerability or that thing that you're shaming, you're then exposing her for it, thinking or assuming that everyone else is on the same page as you. And that teaches her that she's alone because it's not only her mom that disagrees or is disappointed, it's everyone in the room, which humiliates her. Then if she dares to speak up about that feeling of being disrespected, if she can even identify it, you're going to use her emotion of anger or sadness or whatever, because it's intensifying now, you're going to use that as a way of reaffirming the idea of her being difficult. And it will prove to you that she's being disrespectful and needs to be scolded because that's what parenting is, apparently. Even though you are being disrespectful. That's it. As a child, but I felt that it was more as I got older. I'm sure it happened as a kid. I just don't remember it as much. But by the time I was a teenager into a young adulthood, I know this was very, very well established. I had two people in my life who would give me due space and respect. They would see, they would notice my emotional upset and rather than shit talk me to others, like apologetically as if they were apologizing for me, you know, they wouldn't push the situation, right? Where people can get uncomfortable and they push the situation and not leave you alone because they can't handle the fact that you're upset because they can barely regulate themselves. So they're basically taking on your emotions. So to feel better themselves, they have to quote unquote fix your emotions or, you know, they react and take it out on you because they're grossed out by your feelings, which is how I would define this situation here, how her mom acted, right? Two people in my life who would not act in any of those ways. They would talk to me when and if they had something to say, and they would expect an answer because I am grown. I can be mature. I can speak when spoken to kind of thing, right? If someone's asking me a question, I can do the decency of responding, even if it's short and to the point. And then they would go about their days, you know? You know, if they they were going to go do something or they were going to watch a movie or whatever, They would invite me. They would extend the offer, but there was no pressure and no shame behind it. If I had a tear-stained face or something because I was working through something, they would allow it. Okay, this is is what's like just fucking mind-blowing and life-altering. And I just, I wonder how my life would have been different if I didn't have these two people who gave me this space. If I had had no one who ever gave me this space, but they did. And I am forever grateful for that. And I should probably express that to them. If they saw a tear-stained face, yes, they would They would allow it without ridicule, without attention or anything like that. They wouldn't laugh at me or say, oh my fucking God, are you kidding me? Get over yourself or, you know, coddle me and try and, oh my God, she's emotionally upset. What do we do to fix her? You know, nothing like that. They would just continue on and treat me as if I'm human. They would talk to me, right? If anything, 
they might give me a hug or they'd ask me if I wanted one. They might say, hey, do you need anything? And that's it. They would go on about their day because they knew that my emotions were not their responsibility. They cared. They would express that. But they would not disrespect themselves to try and protect or coddle me or something. And I want to say I still believe, but yeah, because I, I, I could be wrong. This could not be the way that it is. But I still see it that when it came down to it, it's like, well, we can't do anything else. So we just got to keep on keeping on, essentially. When what I really want to drive home here is <laughs> that their reaction was not just a gift or an option. Like, it was absolutely appropriate. That's, I, in my opinion, that's exactly how you should respond. You witness someone going through something emotional, right? You can go up and say, hey, what's wrong? Do you want to talk about it? Can I help you? Hug them, whatever it is. But you allow them the space to be human and feel what they feel, process it in their own time. But you still expect someone to respect your boundaries and to be respectful of you. They would not have accepted if I took it out on them. Right? And if I just like was obstinate and didn't respond to them when they talked, they would get angry at me because it would be fucking disrespectful. And is does that not make just total sense? You witness someone going through something, you offer a hand, but you respect it if they say no, and you go on about your day, right? You're letting basically letting them know that you are there for them, but you're not going to chase after them the whole time. It's like, if you need me, you know that I'm here, come get me. That's it. They wouldn't, like I said, they wouldn't shit talk me to other people and talk about how difficult, and maybe they would when I wasn't there. Who knows? I don't know. But from my experience, it was just absolutely respectful, their decision. They're respecting themselves, their emotions, their time, but they are also respecting mine. Is that not just like the ultimate response that you'd want? And it really, I want to say, isn't that hard. But when it comes down to it, I think that it is because people's emotional vocabulary is so fucking lacking most of the time. The second example is my own son. I had scolded him for something. I don't, I don't even remember what it was anymore, but he was acting in a way and I was fed up and I told him like, enough, stop it. So, you know, he kind of got um, embarrassed and he was kind of like curling into the couch and stayed close to me and he was a little teary. And someone else comes up and they're in good humor like they did not mean this cruelly at all they weren't feeling shame and trying to like shame him for it you know what I mean that's not what they were doing they were like in good spirits laughing coming over here and saying you know trying to lighten up the situation tickling him and calling him a crybaby like we don't like crybabies here come on we don't like crybabies and like tickling him and stuff and it's just I can sit there you know patiently because it's like I recognize this so often like this is so socially acceptable and it happens so often it happened to me all the time as a kid so it's just so normal to see it but the whole time I'm sitting there I'm just thinking like is this not ass backwards like is this not the weirdest fucking thing ever you see a child not just a person like any given person but a child someone who's still learning the fundamentals and like right because as you're little when you're little like emotions can be so big and like they feel physically overwhelming and I, don't, I can't say for anybody else, but I remember being a kid that if I felt emotionally overwhelmed and then someone who I don't know very well is going to come up and touch me is not consensual. It does not feel good. Right? And then it's like, you're trying to make me feel better, but you're kind of just interrupting the situation that me and my mom have. Like, she just got mad at me. I'm having an emotional response. She's sitting beside me, allowing me to process things. She's bearing witness. She's allowing the space. And when I'm ready, I will speak up to her, tell her how I feel. And when she is ready, which both of those likely will take maybe a couple seconds to a minute or two, 
and we'll be on our way and it'll be fine but you jump into this situation and not just try and make light of it which is nice you're trying to like you know especially I, I do understand this um this distraction when it comes to emotions right I think obviously there's pros and cons to it but I do understand this like because if you don't help a kid through it they can just sit and fester in this emotion and they can just get deeper and deeper and deeper into it and it's not doesn't always help them process it sometimes it can just ah, I don't know like spread throughout them and it it can last longer it can like grow roots kind of thing so I do understand that this distraction and trying to redirect something and start a new conversation topic and stuff, I totally do get that. But it's funny because when doing that and you're trying to like support and help this kid, you call him a crybaby. So, right, your words and your actions just don't match up. You're acting like you're trying to be supportive, but you're calling him a name. You're insulting him. And who in life hasn't at times been called a crybaby? And I want to pose the question, what did that communicate to you when someone called you a crybaby? In my recollection, it was people telling you that you're making something a big deal, that you're behaving inappropriately, that you're being dramatic, immature, maybe that you're weak or that like you're less than the other people in the room. They're better than you. And beyond just calling him a crybaby, you're saying we don't like crybaby. So he's already in a vulnerable place and he's embarrassed because he got scolded in front of people and it wasn't like people he knew well and were close to and felt confident with and then this person, again, as he's already vulnerable and he doesn't really know her, comes up and touches him, calls him a name, and then beyond just calling him a crybaby, you say, we don't like crybabies here. Basically communicating that, so we don't like you here. We don't want you here. And I just don't see why it should be so hard for an adult to process the implications of their words. If we expect kids to, how is it that us adults can't? Why or how would someone, how would you expect someone of any age, but especially a child, to feel comfortable and confident and showing up in all that they are, they're like bright, shining and authentic, bravely when you treat them like that? How do you expect them to bring the best, brightest, friendliest, kindest, most considerate, uh, grateful, like accepting themselves, accepting and encouraging, or, you know, happy? good humored parts of themselves when you are being rude inconsiderate you're not being accepting and you are being poor humored toward them i just don't i find that it's very backwards like the result you're trying to get right your again your words and your actions don't match up and i think this is something that adults could really fucking work on i'm like i'm anticipating people's scorn and annoyance or disapproval right now so I want to like rephrase it or ask some more questions. <clears throat> and the first one being, is calling someone a crybaby positive? Is it helpful? Does it educate them? Does it help them process or acknowledge, name their emotions, work through them? Does it make them feel love or, you know, do, do they feel a sense of belonging when you call them a crybaby? Does it help them address or find words? Does it help them build their emotional vocabulary? So maybe they don't just maybe not act like this next time, but they don't behave worse next time. I would say that it helps them learn that they're a crybaby. And again, what does a crybaby communicate? It means that you're acting like a baby, you're being immature, you're crying when it's not you're not supposed to, or it's not necessary, your feelings aren't necessary, they're not valid. It's not a good thing. It's not a positive thing. So is there not harm there? 
could we not develop this idea and go beyond <laughs> trying to just find excuses to be allowed to write people off as crybabies? You know, you call them that, and to me, what it comes down to is you want them to shut up. Which, like, again, that feeling can be valid as well, but in this situation, I don't really think so, because, again, it had nothing to do with anybody. He wasn't causing a tantrum. He wasn't taking it out on anyone else. He was literally sitting on the couch beside me and just feeling embarrassed and sad. And it was maybe 15, 20 seconds before she came up and started behaving, as I explained. Right? So you want them to shut up, and you might just get that. But that's all you will get. Is that what we want for our children? To learn from the words that we use that their feelings are unimportant, not worthy of discussion, not worthy of self-reflection, that they don't deserve seconds or minutes of time to process emotions, that they don't need help processing their emotions. You just want, like, if you just shut them down and get them to shut up and not show their emotions, it's breaking trust. And it can break trust with themselves, too. Especially grown-ups in general, but particularly close grown-ups like your mom. When even they're dismissing you and your reality as a pe person. When you're little, you see your parents as gods, right? You take the, their, their thoughtless behavior as law. They trust you more than they trust themselves. So when you behave like that, they betray themselves in your favor. That is not the legacy I want to leave as a parent. That's for sure. It's like... It, it, it's like the argument with spanking to me. There are people who are like, brush it off. Like, it's not that big of a fucking deal. You know, like, I got spanked when I was a kid and I, now I, you know, am a respectful grown-up. Yeah, but first, we could really, really talk about that. And second of all, you're not respectful because someone spanked your ass. Sorry to break it to you. Like, spanking, right, isn't harmful. You know what I mean? You could ask the same questions I asked about being a crybaby. Is it necessary? Is it positive? Does it cause harm, right? You bet you may be able to grow up and be an adult, you know, who was spanked as a kid, who has a family and is a good family person and, you know, owns a house, successful work, whatever, whatever. But it isn't because of the spanking, and spanking has no legitimacy as a parenting technique, and it's the same thing with calling someone a crybaby. It is not a legitimate technique to help someone process their emotions. It, it just isn't. So to people listening, you know, I want to ask these questions, but I also hope you take these questions and that you apply them to other people in your life and maybe even ask them, because I think it's a wonderful opportunity for self-reflection. And the questions are, are you finding excuses to continue to be allowed to call people crybabies? And if so, what do you get out of it? If you were called a crybaby as a kid and you, you learned that lesson well, you learned to shut up and disallow your emotions and disown them, if we're allowed to call crybaby, like kids crybabies, I think it's fair to say in this instance that you're probably, as an adult, still a crybaby. And that's not to say you have literal tears coming down your face at any given moment, but inside, you are, you know, you're, if you want to talk about your inner child, your inner child is like a chronic crybaby because they learned that that's who they were. And of course, this is one example. There are so many examples we could use, but my point is that words matter. Words matter. Words matter so much. As a human being, like our ability to formulate words and create stories through words, like 
if words don't matter, where would the world be if we didn't have language and we couldn't fine-tune communication the way that we can because of words? Where would we be? So if you want to brush off the crybaby thing, you know, that's your prerogative, but it would be worth some self-reflection. Because I, I just don't see why it should be that hard to not call someone a crybaby or to not literally call them that, but to treat them as if they are being an emotional obligation. And again, if you call someone a crybaby, I think it has more to do with you than the person crying. Is being a crybaby, and I hope we understand that I'm not just talking about my son's example now, I'm talking about, again, emotional vocabulary, um, kids' abilities to acknowledge their feelings, and fucking adults and their ability or lack thereof to acknowledge their own feelings and make space for them. And my previous example of a mother and her daughter. She may not have used the word crybaby, but she sure fucking acted out that, basically. Is crybaby not, by definition, an insult? Right? To speak or to treat. So, an abusive remark, spoken words, or inaction, showing disrespect or scorn. Right? And scorn being open dislike. Uh, again, disrespect or mockery making fun of or imitating a person, you know, and it's often done with contempt, anger, or annoyance, or you're disregarding them. It is an insult. No ifs, ands, or buts. It is just a, it's simply a socially acceptable one. That's it. So I've talked to myself, right? Because when people call him that, I try to go at it with this idea that, like, it's not going to change. You're likely going to be called that a lot in your life. I was, right? You're not alone in that. A lot of people are. Like I said, I think probably everyone has been called that. I think just there are people who were more likely to sublimate it and fall in line. And there are people who may struggle to more. And there may be people who say, fuck you. And, you know, carry that crybaby title as a badge of honor and turn it on its head, right? <clears throat> but So I talked to my son about the fact that this is socially acceptable. You're only seven. And how many times have you heard that? How many times have you been called that? right? Just posing questions for him to work through it. Do you want to stop crying? Do you think that they're right sometimes? Is it still hurtful? And I think it'd be beneficial for people to ask themselves these questions as well. Yeah, in general. But again, I'm coming back down to this idea of your inner child. I, I heard a quote somewhere and I loved it. It has resonated and stayed with me for however many, like a couple years that I, since I've heard it. You are the person you were at every age at the same time. Like right now, you are. Like right now, me, Shaylin, I am five-year-old Shaylin. I'm 12-year-old Shaylin. I'm 19, 26, 28. I am all of those Shaylins. I embody all of them. And I have, like, what the fuck? I can't remember what that's called. Like the Russian, like stacking dolls where you have like the little one goes inside the bigger one, inside the bigger one, inside the bigger one, inside the bigger one. And it's that same thing, right? Like you have all of you. Say that I'm, I'm 28. Say that there's like 28 me's, right? One-year-old Shaylin fits inside two-year-old Shaylin, which fits inside three, and so on to 28. You have all of who you've ever been inside of you. And I think that's such a beautiful way to back up this idea of your inner child, like literally seeing it as your inner child. And that it's not just one inner child. It's you have the inner you that you, you know, all the ages that you've been are inside of you. And it's a matter of going back to the different versions of yourself that you have been and asking yourself those questions of, have I been called that? How did it feel? What was I going through? Now that I'm old enough, can I now give myself the, the chance to work through them, to use words, to find words, 
and give yourself a chance to do that. So again, asking those questions, not just to yourself now, but remembering who you were all these other times and asking those versions of you that same question. I've tried to communicate with my son that, you know, you can't control other people and you have to face the reality that they likely won't change or stop. Even if you sincerely explain it to them, that isn't what they're after either. And a lot of times that just furthers their idea that you are a crybaby. Yes, them acting like that is disrespectful. It is immature. So what are you going to do from here? Right? We can't control other people. And this is another reason why I really try to get it in his head that you are safe inside of your own mind. You allow people in there, but that's a choice. You get to choose who gets to see what of you. I want him to know to never disown himself because, again, this is why I think it's so dangerous when it comes to parents because, like I said, kids view specifically their parents as if they're gods. So how you act, consciously or unconsciously, they are absorbing that as law. And they replace their own sense of self and their own, say, intuition or instinct in favor of what they think yours is. So you have to be very careful about what language or, you know, I just say unverbalized language. I don't know. You are teaching that stuff to them, whether you like it or not. So what do you want to impress upon your kid? You know what I mean? I have recently impressed upon myself this idea that in situations where you feel like you were shut down or disallowed, I learned that it's a gift for me to shut up. And I'm giving a gift to people by not showing up as myself. And I, it is a, I give people a gift when I fade into the background. And I didn't realize that for a long time. And, and by that, I just mean it was like maybe this past week that I talked about this in my journal to myself. And what I did come back to, and it what felt so empowering, literally just to write the idea that you shutting down is not a gift. If someone in your life is acting like you shutting down is a gift to them, they don't deserve that part of you. It is not a gift to them. They don't get the privilege of knowing you, basically. And I want my son to have this idea that you are whole in yourself. You are safe inside yourself. Respect that. Give it space. Be curious about yourself and know that if other people aren't or if they make you feel like you're too much or whatever, that's valid. But then they just simply, there are parts of you that they don't get to know. And isn't that a shame? Right? But it's an expression of boundaries. If someone is going to ridicule you, shut you down, gloss over something that's important to you, they don't want to hear it. That's fair. You can respect their boundaries, even if their expression of those boundaries is disrespectful. But that doesn't mean you disown yourself. That means you're basically um, pulling back your boundaries and this person no longer has access to those parts of you. And that is self-respect. So to kind of reiterate, when I talk to my son about this, it's really asking... Right. Spending the time. That's it. You have to spend time with emotions, man. That's the nature of them. Like they will pass. And I think it's so important to acknowledge that your emotions are not you. And when this is a narrative you're constantly interacting with, especially as a child, I think that you learn to equate your value with your emotions. So your value is related to your emotions because your very self is dictated by your emotions and people never respond well to your emotions. Therefore, they're responding negatively to you and they don't like you so we simply spend time with the emotions and that's not just about coddling like oh baby it's okay they don't know you and hugging him as he cries and telling him there's nothing wrong with him and it's all their fault or anything like that it's just I'm in my center I'm calm all I'm doing is bearing witness to his emotions I will still meet his eye when he's crying I will talk to him 
as a human being who deserves respect, even, and I would say especially because he is showing emotions right now, spending the time not licking your own wounds, but about having a conversation about them. Again, it comes back to emotional vocabulary. It's building that for him. It's spending the time with the idea of why the word is used and where does it come from and acknowledging how fucking weird it is and the fact that it's going to continue happening. You're going to continue having emotions. So how are you going to go forward from here, accepting those truths? How are you going to pair the two? And how are you maybe going to prepare yourself for this in the future? How are you going to acknowledging how you feel now, how they acted and how it made you feel and so on? What steps can you take in the future to prepare yourself and to feel safe in these situations? And in some instances, it will be not putting yourself in certain situations, right? There will be situations that aren't worth it and some that are. Beyond it, it's like after the fact when you're treated like that, what steps are you going to take to soothe yourself, to feel okay, to come back to your center, remember who you are, and take care of yourself? What steps are you going to do to take care of yourself? Because other people aren't going to, especially as you get older. I really want to convey to my son this idea that you do not just need to put up with it. And that's not to say that you can't just walk out of every situation, right? Like, life is uncomfortable. You're going to meet situations that are hard that you shouldn't and can't or don't want to walk away from. But this idea that that's not... The status quo might be that, but that's not appropriate. It's not right. It's not fair or whatever. And you, it's not an obligation. You do not just simply have to put up with it. And if you can't, then you're the problem. That is not true at all. People may try and teach you that. That is not true. There will be situations where you choose to put up with it, but that is a choice that you make. It is not mandatory. But And then you have to acknowledge that when you decide to put up with it, you are putting yourself in that situation and you then have to reflect on that. Again, that takes time as well. But just imagine this. Imagine a world where we actually took the time to reflect on our emotions and acknowledge them and feel them and not be so fucking ashamed of ourselves that we can't even cry alone, right? What if we did that shit instead of turning on the TV, acting like every sound and noise and request that our family or friends around us makes is an inconvenience, going to the phone, smoking, drinking, whatever it is. Imagine if we actually consciously chose to build our emotional vocabulary. And I'm talking about kids here a lot, but in that I really just want to focus on the inner children because the kids that I'm you know talking about here they're in the midst of it both me and this other woman have the chance to course correct where we make mistakes and that in itself is such a beautiful gift and takes emotional awareness to step back from how we're parenting and be vulnerable ourselves being honest with our kids about how you know what I'm not perfect and sometimes I don't know how to handle your emotions either I appreciate you being patient with me as I figure it out as well Do you have any insight for me? Because you have valuable things to tell me that I don't know. I want to hear how you feel. I want to know where you're coming from. I don't want to just write it off and be like, well, you're problematic and it's because you didn't have your meds so you're not normal. You're not up to snuff. That isn't the shit that I want to communicate to my kid. So I want to think about the adults and the inner children. And you you know, you can talk about the inner child, but you know, you don't even have to. You don't even have to go down that path if you want. It is still totally valid to think about you, your adult self, at the exact age you are right now, whether that's 21, 56, or beyond, whatever. It doesn't matter. You can, a parent or not, whether you're a parent or not, you can stop and start reflecting more on emotions so you can develop your idea and your stress tolerance for them. And I think that is so pivotal. Your life will be completely different if you're able to do that. 
Again, I am all about communication and your ability to communicate. And by that, I mean effectively. Where are you supposed to go if like your own inner compass of communication and instinct is dirtied and skewed and like you want it to be that way? You won't even look at it because you're so fucking uncomfortable by the fact that you're human. And of course, it, it is important to acknowledge as well and to my son that people oftentimes don't mean harm by this. It is something that they simply grew up with hearing and they were likely called that themselves and it is perceived as the status quo. It just is what it is. And people don't like being questioned, even me, right, as an adult. I don't always like to be questioned. And if you put me on the spot and question me about something that I'm not ready to face, it can piss me off, right? Because I don't have a good answer. And because sometimes I don't want to have to take the effort to change my ways or reflect when really it's usually the anticipation or the resentment or the resistance. It is the procrastination. It's that stuff that takes so much fucking energy. Doing the work is not actually as consuming as people think that it is. I have been in this place my whole life, but as I grow and I develop my emotional vocabulary, you're going to get sick of me saying that because I'm going to say it so many fucking times. I want to drive it into your head because I think it's such an important concept. I've just gotten prouder in it the older I've gotten, especially now that I have a kid as well. People want to distract, minimize, redirect, and sweep things under the rug. People want to sweep things under the rug until the rug is like a fucking mountain. What I say is let him sit in his feeling. Let her sit in her feelings. It does not have to be all or nothing, right? There's the idea that you either have to coddle or shut down. You build it and bolster it or you tear it to the ground. It's one or the other. You support it or you, you know, don't support it. And I think that's bolstered by people's reactivity. The fact that they react so quickly. It's again, and this is, I'm on the other side where I feel like quite often it's the scolding and the shutting down without thinking it through. I am oftentimes on the other side where I instantly react to defend and you know, which it doesn't sound like there's anything wrong with that, but it can turn into coddling if I am not reflective, right? Especially if I'm coming to it from a reactive place from my own experience, I can do just as much damage trying to be encouraging and coddling and not looking at the context and taking it on like it's my fight when it's not my fight, right? You So often it's you either scold or you shame or you coddle and enable. And what I want to post here is, yes, supporting things, and that means supporting yourself as an, as an adult, but letting it be. Like, literally just letting people be human and have feelings and not being moved to react. And that does not have to mean that you are apathetic about it or it doesn't, again, have to be scorn where you disregard someone. There's a difference. You can witness it, see it, and continue on. Right? Just like how you, you would see, you know, seeing someone eat. You wouldn't, like, turn your head away and be like, oh my god, oh my god. Right? You might see someone take a bite, and they might look messy, but it's like, okay, whatever, they're human, they eat, I eat, it's good. And you can turn away and continue on the conversation, right? They could be eating, and it might make you uncomfortable to witness someone, like, chomping on food. You then have very, very easily can turn away and continue the conversation if it's something you would rather not look at. It can be the same thing. You can acknowledge, oh, this kind of makes me uncomfortable, this person's feeling it, but I'm going to continue on. And if I need to take that time to look away, um, I'm allowed to do that. But I don't have to call them out. I don't have to make their feelings public. I don't have to call them out and make them a problem because I don't want to have to deal with it. And I guess I just, I really want to play with this idea is why, why is bearing witness to other people's emotions harder? 
why is bearing witness to people's emotions harder than other things that maybe aren't seen as proper um my first thought is intense emotions. Is it quite frequent that people's emotions are very intense in their expression? And maybe, in general, majority of people would, would say that, no, this isn't appropriate. Um, but is that because people haven't been taught that their emotions are okay and how to deal with it? Is it because we have this idea that emotional expression is just simply not acceptable for public consumption? And I want to acknowledge here, public consumption, I'm not talking about making someone else's emotions public. Basically, raising your hand and being like, hey, hey, this person's emotional right now. Do you see that? Look at what they're acting like. I'm just, I literally mean just being a human and having emotions in front of someone. It can be that something something was a trigger for you and you got a little bit snippy when someone said made a remark and in those situations still most of the time you'll see people either shut down and be like oh fuck um that's so awkward like we're just gonna sit in silence now because this person ruined the moment or you're gonna challenge them and be like hey like watch yourself blah 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 instead of giving them space to acknowledge like oh interesting like i wonder what's going on with them you know what i mean like i just feel like in most situations people don't don't know how to go forward when someone exposes some sort of emotion. And then it's also about uh, creating boundaries, of course, because there are certain emotions or extent of emotions that are unhealthy, that are harmful, that are damaging, that, you know, could, could still be argued are not appropriate for certain situations. But I feel like another really big argument for this is that it's just going to take so much time. Like, if you're going to have to acknowledge everyone's emotion, every time they feel an emotion, like, you're not going to get anything done. Productivity is going to go way down, blah, 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 blah. And I really think this is just comes from a really lack of understanding of emotions. And I'm not trying to talk about, like, intellectually or, like, academically understanding emotions and behavior. I literally even just mean your own emotions. Because personally, by leaving space for my own emotions, I put myself in situations more where I am able to acknowledge and express my emotions and process them and have that time and have that grace. By doing so, you get better at it, right? You become more competent at dealing with your own emotions and you can simultaneously feel and process big emotions while continuing throughout your day. Like you don't have to shut down or shut off. You can be present in the moment, in the day while also processing inner things going on. And you can then go on about your day while other people are going through their big feelings. You don't have to take, you know, in certain situations, of course, it might be preferable. Um, You might need to if something's coming on really strong, but it doesn't inherently mean that you have to take time out to acknowledge your emotions. I think that's the wrong way of looking at it because you really, really don't. Emotions are a part of every moment of your life. You are always with emotions. And I think a lot of times they get big and explosive because we're not aware of all the little moments that we're disallowing ourselves, that we're disrespecting ourselves, that we're not acknowledging, that we're bottling things up to deal with later, to deal with later, that we never actually deal with later. So in my life, I'm constantly trying to be like, allow, 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 all the time. It might not work with this topic too well, but it does for me, so I'm gonna say it. Hopefully it helps some people. I was reading years ago, uh, The Screw Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, which is a really interesting book, by the way. But he talks about how when you have this, like, vague, undefined feeling of, like, uneasiness and you can't place it and you're kind of putting it on things incorrectly because you don't acknowledge where it's coming from, something about if you can repent for a well-defined sin, it can resolve the feeling. 
So of course there's like um, a religious background to this, but this concept has worked for me so well in my life, especially when I just like dive in. It can be the smallest, smallest thing that I'm like, I didn't like that I did this and I'm asking for forgiveness. And it doesn't have to be asking forgiveness from God. It's more just like for maybe yourself asking for forgiveness from yourself. This idea of, I don't like that I did this. I don't like that I reacted like this. And it's not you badgering yourself about these things that you did wrong. It's about accountability and acknowledging, I don't like this. This happened. Okay, processing it. And this, I don't like this. And I feel like sometimes I can keep going and keep going and be like, fuck it. Yeah, that's true. And I'm feeling better. But like, whatever's at the heart of it, I haven't addressed yet. What is it? And you can go through them until it does come. And when it does come, what's actually bothering you is like, oh, there you go. I can feel that like tightness in my chest relinquish because now I've acknowledged what it was that was actually bothering me. And through doing that, I understand, understand myself more. And again, by doing that, I am able to do this quicker. So I haven't really touched on the topic of expressing your emotions and when it comes to rage and stuff, but where I'm sitting right now with the idea is that I find that rage is a perverted emotion. It usually comes when things aren't identified prior to, and it can get worse and worse when there is decades and decades of unaddressed things and unaddressed disrespect and un unaddressed trauma. But what? imagine a time where we could see that as people instead of being like, holy fuck, what's wrong with that guy, hey? We could be like, holy shit, he is struggling or she, whatever. Wow. Like acknowledging, I don't feel safe here. Um, I don't want my children to witness this, whatever it is. You know, I'm exhausted. I'm dealing with enough shit in my life. I don't want this dinner, this weekend, this time off, this holiday, whatever, this evening to be interrupted by this person's lack of peace. I really am looking for peace right now. So is that something too, is that we disallow other people's emotions because we feel selfish or rude when we don't want to acknowledge them. So it makes us feel better about our unwillingness to address it if we make them wrong for feeling it. I can see that happening as well. Also a good thing to acknowledge. I'm going to say it again, guys. The point of this really just comes down to emotional vocabulary and the importance of doing so and how we can change ourselves and our kids' lives by doing this. And I just want to pose the questions like, how can we do this? How can we build our emotional vocabularies? Like you can, like actionable steps. Like we can take the time to sit through them. Yes, you can journal with them. Uh, it's about creating safe spaces in which you allow yourself to feel them and acknowledge them. You know, where do we go from here? Because this isn't, I use children as an example, like I said, but this podcast is not just about kids and their inability to express their emotions um, adequately or appropriately or something or them being at the whim of adults or being taught by in, imperfect adults or something. It's, but it's not specifically about the adults either. I, all of these different things in relationships and ages, they feed back into each other and that if we were all able to be more emotionally adept, we would be better people and our relationships would be better. So I hope you guys reach out with your ideas, your suggestions, your corrections, because I think this is a conversation that we need to have.